All right. Good afternoon and welcome to My Poor Friends. You are with us for episode one of season two. Uh, for many of you, you may have realized that I had to stop recording about the middle of last year. Um, I do have a family. I go to school. I have a full-time job. So last year, I just got overwhelmed with no free time and wasn't able to record new episodes. But it is a summer. We are in quarantine. So it became the right time to rekindle our podcast, My Poor Friends. So today... I have Uncle Dickie. Uncle Dickie, say hi. Hey, hey, hey. And because we are in quarantine, so for those of you who may not remember, you're listening to this, you know, September and don't remember what it was like, we are at the end of May. We have been in quarantine now for two months, three months. Yeah, two and a half months. Two and a half months. Um, So for the most part, we have been at home, not going to restaurants, not going to bars, not going out and visiting people. Uh, Uncle Dickie came over today, but we are sitting six feet apart, well apart, it seems like, so that we could do this episode. Um, and of course, we're all at home quarantining with our families. Uh, unless you're in the Ozarks. <laughs> That's right. This last weekend, it came out. It was Memorial Day weekend, and people were... Spreading multiple viruses in the pool. <laughs> Thousands right. of people. Thousands of people in a pool spreading viruses. So good luck to them. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so today, Uncle Dickie had the great idea of let's review the movie Outbreak. Because this was a movie around viruses and spreading of viruses, we're going to look at Outbreak. But in the meantime, we're going to start with a few quarantine-related would-you-rather questions. Are you ready? I- I'm ready. Are you ready? I am ready. I am ready. Okay. First question. Would you rather spend quarantine completely alone with nobody or with your entire family, including your parents and your siblings? Completely alone. (laughs) That didn't take you a hot minute at all. No. Really? You would rather be alone right now than with your whole family? Well, I mean, you think about (laughs) 24-7 so far for 10 it's been almost 10 weeks now because yeah. it started the middle of March. Yeah, it, it was almost. And we're at the end of May. Yep. So, yeah, you're looking at 10 weeks. And there are times when my kids and I have wanted to strangle each other. Um, so, yeah, I don't. I mean, and then on top of that, you add everybody else. And it also depends. Where are we at? Are we? So, I feel like what <laughs> if you have a house where. So, like me and my kid and Mark, we've done okay in this house because. We have different floors, so I can assign everyone their exactly. own floor and get away from each other. But yeah, like what if we were all in this house? No. No? Couldn't do it. <laughs> Maybe if we had like a big uh, apartment building, could we all I mean, there? I could do it. I'd spend most of my time probably outside. Uh, yeah, I could see that. In the garage. <laughs> so is AJ. He's learning how to ride his bike. So maybe that's just yeah. to get rid of mom and dad. I don't know. But yeah, I see that. I mean, I've spent a lot of time by myself anyway driving you know Mm -hmm. work by myself anyway so yeah i could see that it'd it'd be hard 24 7 that'd be a lot especially in a a little house like my current house yeah i could see that i i I am with you with but i i don't think i could be alone for that long although i will say that a lot of people have been surprised because i have the opportunity to go back to work a little bit earlier than a lot of people do for my company and they're all like oh you're such an extrovert don't you want to get back to work 
And I'm like, no, I talk to people every day. I can get on Zoom calls. I can get on happy hours. I'm on meetings. I talk to people literally every day that no, I'm perfectly fine staying home and being away from people physically. So Maybe it's because I, yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm fine. I mean, I love people. I love. I do doing too. Things. That's what I'm I saying. Love, but I don't need know. to touch you. Yeah. I, I can be on a video call to talk to you. Yeah, I just think stuck inside. If you're stuck inside with the same people for ten weeks in a small place with it, where you don't have your own area, it's going to be tough. That's a lot. Okay, would you rather? have too much to do during quarantine or too little to do during quarantine? And I asked this question because, you know, Mark works for the airlines and he has zip to do. And he says every day how much he hates his job, you know, during the quarantine because he has nothing to do. I, on the other hand, have seen the opposite side of it where we are handling so many things related to quarantine that I am busy 14 hour days, 16 hour days, 18 hour days, seven days a week for weeks on end. And then I get a break and then I'm waiting for the next round of something to come up and just, and so I can't decide which is worse me being busy all the time or Mark being busy. None of the time. Well, I think I kind of fall into your category with the last 10 weeks. I've had things going on where I'm doing 16 hour days Mm -hmm. and longer, literally nonstop until just two days ago and even on those two days yesterday and today I'm waking up early even though I got nothing to do and I'm leaving the house and I'm finding something to do yeah. so for me I need too much you prefer too much I like to stay busy I think so too I think it helps pass the time and so Mark and I started gaming while he's at work because he has the time to be able to do that and I feel like that's been better but I'm with you I think I would rather have too much to do than too little I think I would be super bored although I keep seeing those memes of people that are like oh I'm learning a second language and I'm learning how to do origami and I'm like what the fuck they're lying they're I'm not learning, learning a second language. I'm learning a new cuisine what? I know how to cook Vietnamese food now like a local and I'm like go fuck yourself right what's that new language app blap or bl- babble babble yeah yes I mean yeah. Nobody's doing babble. They're lying. Right. So I, I'm with you there. I, I feel like, okay. Okay. Well, that makes me feel honestly a little bit better because I'm not doing any of that. One other question. So right now, Zoom calls are all the rage. We have had a Zoom family call. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love Zoom calls. I love Teams calls where I video. In fact, at work, I encourage all of my people, do video calls. Look at people face-to-face. It helps. Let's say you're on a video call by accident. Would you rather be caught in your underwear or caught picking your nose? So I'll say I'm very fastidious about my team's calls. I check like, so I have a webcam. I look to see if the blue light's on. I check to make sure everything is off. If I have to use the restroom and I'm on a video call, I'll leave my phone in the office. Goes you Right? Like I'm, I'm very, I'm so paranoid. But if something were to happen, would you rather people catch you in your underwear or picking your nose? Picking my nose. Really? Yes. I'd pick my underwear. I look good in my underwear. I feel like if someone saw me in my bra, I'd be okay with that. You don't want to see these hairy man boobs. (laughs) Trust me. That's a sight that's not coming... It's not going away. Oh, no. It's been burnt and etched into somebody's memory. Yeah, I could see that. Picking your nose, everybody does it every now and then. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, if you really pay attention when you're at a stoplight, how many people? Agreed. Everybody picks their nose, but I'm still saying I look better in my underwear than I do with a finger up my nose. Well, we all do, but <laughs> still, you can be like, "Huh, eh, you you do it too," you know. Well, I love the fact that like Teams and Zoom calls are just the way up because. My chest looks great in my underwear. If they had a full body, then I'd be back to picking my nose. I'm so with you there. Have you seen all the different types of people that they've listed out that are on the Zoom calls? You have somebody who's drinking, somebody who's always moving or fidgeting, somebody who's always... People who are eating is the worst. So here's what I do. So I get a lot... So sometimes my days are literally 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., 100% Zoom calls. So I still eat, but what I do is I try and duck out of the the camera and then take a bite and then come back in and eat. Is that bad? No. Well, I'm talking about, I've had Zoom meetings where it was our first or second one with my work Mm -hmm. and the same person was always eating breakfast. Mm-hmm. And they're, you could—they're trying to talk, and you can just see the food in their mouth. And I'm like, <laughs> oh Ugh. no! I actually try to hold my hands up around. Over. Yes, I do that too. I put know. my hand over my mouth if I have—if I'm yeah. chewing, and I can eat and stuff mm-hmm. without people seeing it, and they can't even tell I'm eating. Well, and I don't even mind. I'll take a bite, and then I'll put my hand over so that they know I'm covering my mouth when I eat. But yes, I'm totally with you there, a hundred percent. Well, and we have this one person who he's constantly pulling, he's got long hair, putting his hair back and while (laughs) with his arms and elbows out and he's flexing his biceps at the same time. And you're just like, oh my goodness. So I will tell you that I've had two. So my team is a very close knit team of IT, me and a couple of people. I have showed up to two team meetings in my bathrobe. With my hair in a towel. No, not at all. Depends on how close you are. We're pretty close. So I feel like we're pretty close, but I'm feeling like now maybe I should have second guessed that. Nah, I think if you're close, that's fine. You're fine. Okay. All right. Mine was in an educational setting, so it couldn't always be done that way. Oh, yes. No, this one is more of, it is professional setting, but we are a very close-knit family, so I'm like, and you know so many people are like i know so much more about you your robe is green i see that's i see the things you have on the walls in your home so so that's the other thing that i've noticed is that i don't use the backgrounds and everyone has commented on our 3d printer so i have a 3d printer behind me in our office people want to know more about the 3d printer i'm like really but so many people are so excited about my 3d printer so i just bought a neon pineapple that i'm going to put in the background and see if people notice Oh, nice. Right. I'm like, I'm just going to sneak that in there and see if everyone I mean, I've seen some really nice artwork where people have either purchased or they've done it themselves. Yes. Just some interesting things, you know. I have a coworker who like did built-in bookcases and I'm like, oh my God, those are gorgeous. And he did them himself. And I would have never known that. Not to mention the number of pets that I have been introduced to. Oh, yeah. Since we have done Zoom meetings and team meetings and all of that stuff. I feel like, oh, I'm so much closer to people now. Yeah. No, I hear you. So I actually, to your point, almost feel like I'm closer to people on these stupid ass Zoom calls and Microsoft Teams meetings than I was sitting in an office hanging out with these people. I think you get to know them a little away from work. I agree. I agree 100%. Okay. So outbreak. 
stars Dustin Hoffman as Sam Daniels, the uh, contagious disease doctor who works for the U.S. Army. His ex-wife, Renee Russo, is also a contagious disease doctor with the CDC. She just moved there. They obviously had split up. And then Cuba Gooding Jr., Dustin Hoffman's loyal sidekick. Kevin Spacey also co-stars in this movie as Casey. Uh, but we don't acknowledge him anymore, right? No sure. Kevin Spacey. <laughs> okay. I guess not. I mean. Uh, you know, he did some things. I, I still, I think he's a genius actor. I'm not going to say he's not, but. Like, I feel it's the right thing to do to be like, okay, we're not going to talk about Kevin Spacey. I mean, I'm, I'm here to talk about it. Their entertainment, you know, not their mm-hmm. personal choices. That's true. And Kevin Spacey was good in this movie, even. I, I really don't know anything that he's not being good in. I agree. Kevin Spacey's a good actor. Um, and in fact, one of our episodes... One of the future episodes I have planned is Midnight and Guardian of Good and, Good and Evil, which is one of my absolute favorite Kevin Spacey movies. So Nice. Yeah, we'll talk about him later. But um, all right. So a dangerous virus comes into the U.S. by an imported monkey from Africa. It runs through several cities, results in a major infection in a small town in California when the virus migrated to become airborne. The doctors work hard to find a cure while also being sabotaged by Donald Sutherland, who was holding on to an earlier strain of the virus to use as a bioweapon. A couple of things about this movie. Sam Daniels was originally intended for Harrison Ford, but he turned it down. Mel Gibson and Sylvester Stallone also turned it down, but Dustin Hoffman finally agreed to it. I feel like any of those guys could have played that role of Sam Daniels and done a great job, including Harrison Ford, which I think would have been fantastic for the job. Don't you think? Oh, yeah. I'm a huge Harrison Ford fan. I am, too. And I think any of those guys. I didn't think, like, this was Dustin Hoffman's role of a lifetime by any means. No. No. Yeah, I think definitely he would have been good. Uh, Mel Gibson. Maybe Sylvester Stallone. I might not have believed him as a top-rate doctor. Yeah. You know what? I do think this was a great role for Dustin Hoffman just because he's he plays that role where the ex-wife doesn't you know want him anymore and he's not super attractive you know that is true and i think that does play a lot into where you might not have that same effect with harrison ford or gibson or i agree dustin hoffman was able to keep to bring a comedic aspect to the role that probably none of the other ones really could have come i mean harrison ford does some really funny shit in indiana jones and some other movies that he's been in but dustin hoffman really has a good comedic, you know, role. We saw that in Tootsie. We saw that in, you know, so many of his other roles that he he definitely would have been okay. Uh, Jodie Foster, Mel Streep, Sharon Stone, and Robin Wright were all considered for the role of Robbie, but it finally went to Renee Russo, which I loved Renee Russo in the part. But again, I think any of them could have done just as good, but might have been a little bit more serious in those roles. So you don't feel like she was serious enough? Uh, no, I think she was fine. But I think any of them would have been fine. Do you think any of them would have been better? Uh, you know, uh, I I think Meryl Streep would have been too old. I'm sorry to say. I think Sharon Stone would have been too serious. I think Jodie Foster could have done a good job. Oh. There. Sorry. If that came through, I apologize. I think, um, yeah, Meryl Streep, too old. Robin Wright, I think, would have been good, but she's real serious, too. But I thought Renee Russo did a good job. I thought Renee Russo was great. I did, too. I'm a huge fan of her, so. Are you? 
Yeah. What's your favorite Rene Russo? Uh, what's the one with uh, Pierce Bronson where they're... My favorite was Tin Cup with Kevin Costner. I think she was great in Tin Cup. I loved her in Tin Cup. I loved, loved, loved her. What's the one? Isn't that her where Pierce Bronson's the art thief? Oh, uh, Thomas Crown Affair. Yes. yes. It was her. Yep. She was good in that movie. Yes, yes I'm there for you there. Um, in the original script, the town was going to be destroyed. But the test screenings were so negative that they reshot the ending to save the town and send it out into the ocean. So I have another idea for a future episode where we're going to talk about some Reddit threads that are specific to movies where when would you like for the villain to win? But I have to say for this one, like, I feel like, okay, let me ask you this. How believable. So we've now dealt with a worldwide virus. We've dealt with quarantine. We've dealt with everything that is surrounding this. How realistic. So so I can actually get on board with the fact that if the major focus of a virus is one town, that they would have shut the town down and told everyone, go back to your homes, whatever. And I think most people would be on board with that. But I think at the point where you bomb a goddamn town is where it be- goes beyond the believable. What do you think? I don't know. Really, because if you think about it, what we don't know what's actually went on in other countries through this pandemic and how, you know, is everything true that we're hearing, how they've really handled things? Um, I know, but specifically in the United States. Yeah, you're not bombing a town. Right. That's that's in the where United I am. States. No, that's it's, not happening. I agree with that. So one thing that I noticed. And so, again, now that we have lived this, which honestly is ungoddamn precedented right like we've i know we've had other pandemics that have worked throughout the world but we are now at a point that our technology and our you know awareness is so much greater now that we've lived through this i have to say like i am shocked at how well worldwide organizations have worked together and in this case with outbreak there is one you know disease that hit the u.s and there is nothing, they don't talk about anything else worldwide at all. Yeah, and this, you know what else I wonder? This movie came out 25 years ago. Uh-huh. It got a 59% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. I have that. What would it be if it came out two years ago? Yeah. Or three years ago? So and this happened, we'd be like, they're fucking predicting the future. So... Uh, you and I talked about this before we even shot this episode. I watched Contagion. That happened in 2011, which still is a good nine years ago. But it was so much more predictable to what might happen today. It was surprising. But in this case, so, right, they were going to bomb the town to contain the virus. And the whole motivation of the bad guys was, I want to keep the original strain of the virus so that I can use that as a chemical weapon. Let me ask you this. Do you feel like we should, knowing what viruses can do today, should we enter into, like, you know, we've got the nuclear ban treaties across several worlds or several countries. 
should we start thinking about bioweapon, you know, anti-bioweapon treaties across multiple countries? Okay. I feel like that we're going to see, I think this opens the door mm-hmm. to biochemical warfare. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Warfare. I do, but I don't think that opens any doors. Clearly, 25 years ago, they were talking about it. We yeah, but know I, I this think more been... and more people are going to be thinking about it now. I mean, I think after this pandemic, you just, more people, it's opened their eyes. More people, people are going to come out of the woodwork trying to do their own things, create their own things. So and, you mean, even beside governments, you think that just supervillains are going to come out that arc because that's the whole premise yeah. of like Captain America. They talked, they, they have, I can't remember who it was, but they like originally were fighting against someone who was Hydra. Creating, well, yes, <laughs> to some degree, but right. There was some other guy that they were dealing with that was focused on bioweapons. I, I think bioweapons has been something that us as a country, at least has been considering for the last 20, 30, even maybe 40 years, I don't know, but at least the last 20 years because we've seen just fucking movies about those, right? Yeah. And so to your point, I I know that we clearly those are available, but I also know that I have to believe. So one of the things about contagion was that once they identified a virus that was so dangerous, they're like, everyone shut your labs down. We don't want this getting out. We don't want anyone having access to it. You know, we're only going to handle this through the government. And that was a big deal to them. So I, I don't know. I don't know if it feels to me like, okay, we have anti-nuclear weapon ban treaties. Should we have now bioweapon ban treaties? I just think we're going to have more people experimenting. Governments, individuals, people in general experimenting with different types. I could see that. Now, I want, I want to throw a question out there. And I, I do not want this to get into a political conversation. Okay. But if you think about some of the presidents that might that we've had in the past or that we have in office now, yeah. would it be right now, if this was, let's say it was a true, let's say the movie was based on today's... Knowledge. Would our administrative office be more likely to bomb the town than others? Oh, that's a good question. And I and I don't want to get into a political conversation. I, I'm just, I, honestly, I think it's something so, to think about. So I agree. I 100% agree. I but think I, it's an interesting thought. Yeah. I 100% agree. But I honestly think that whether you are Democrat or Republican, no matter what your political affiliation is, while I agree that one party versus another might use it to cause fear and cause panic and, oh, we need to go to war or, oh, we need to beef up our CDC or, oh, we need to do this. Mm-hmm. I do believe that presidents and administrations would use the information that happened to try and drive their political agenda. I don't think there is a president alive or dead that would bomb a U.S. city to try and eradicate a corn or eradicate a virus that is this deadly. But I agree. I agree with that. But well, cause I said it shocking, <laughs> <laughs> but let me ask you this. Do you think that there is 
in the future, let's say there is a virus. So, so we've been lucky, right? For our, and I hate to say we're lucky because obviously so many people have died, but we know that this virus, while it infects so many people, the rate of death is, you know, one that we are aware of. We know what that rate of death is. We know who are the most susceptible in our society and who are less susceptible, even though we know that kids can get it, young people can get it. We, we know what those precautions are, but there's a slow incubation period. We know if we get to the hospital and we get on a ventilator, most people can at least breathe, whatever. So we have a good understanding of what this virus is, but in a lot of these movies that are like outbreak or contagion, the virus reacts so quickly that it can kill you within days days, which is terrifying. Knowing that that's a possibility, do you think there is a scenario where if we know that a virus like that is isolated to a small community, that it would be worth it to bomb that community to eradicate that virus? Wow. Right. It's, it's a, to be able to if you, be the person that has to make that choice right. of do we save a few or do, do we not do we, save a few right for to save the many oh, hang on i gotta sorry right do we do we save the entirety of the united states by killing a few and so really so we've heard from all sorts of politicians that say we need to be willing to sacrifice some people and in those cases, it's we need to sacrifice people to save the economy, which we know that for every X percent of unemployment, so many people die. We know that unemployment kills people. We know homelessness p kills people. We know traumatic scenarios and PTSD kills people. So we know that we're living in an environment that is detrimental to people and their well-being. Is there ever a scenario that you would want to evaluate or I would want to evaluate where we're in a place that say, okay, at this point, the tragedy is too high. Let's bomb whatever that city is in California and just get rid of it. Man, I hope that time would never come. And I, I wouldn't, wouldn't want, want it either. I wouldn't <laughs> want to, but I do think if something like that would happen uh -huh. and that's reality, somebody has to have that has to at least bring that topic up i agree and and that was the 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 a lot of the point with all of this is at what point do we just say okay it's time to yeah say goodbye the cord. Mm -hmm. yeah that'd be tough i i agree those are the kind of things when i think about you know people running for office and wanting to be in a a, a point of power those are the kind of things you have to answer and i just don't want to deal with those. All right. Uh, other things about the movie. Uh, the capuchin monkey carrying the virus was Marcel and friends. That made me feel a little better. I was like, okay, it's Marcel. <laughs> He's a good guy. <laughs> Although he kind of, kind of turns out as a dick at the end of the movie. Yeah. Or at the end of the show. Okay. So, so here's another one. This was a inconsistency in the movie that I was like, ah, oh, that bothered me. So do you remember when they went back to 
visit the village and they were like, oh yeah, the infection to humans uh, were because the village elder told Daniels that the village patient zero had gone into the woods with an unknown white man who could have been exposed to the pathogen. And he's like, oh no, that guy died. But we don't know who the unknown white man was. Like there were a lot of those types of scenarios throughout this movie that bothered me because I was like, oh, that that white person could have gone to England and infected a whole bunch of people or this or that. So so that killed me on Outbreak. And that was one of the things I know you didn't watch Contagion, but that was one of the things that I really liked about Contagion was because they really tried to trace back all of the people that would have been in contact with the virus that had happened and then identified what the problems were. Well, and I think uh, that's also, there's a difference of 15, 16 years, yes. right? Between Outbreak and Contagion, which I am going to watch Contagion now. And I was going to say, when you... So I think that realism there is more... A hundred percent. That's why I'm curious to see what's going to be the next Outbreak Contagion type of movie. Well, I think Because World War Z was, you know, that was just over the top crazy. right. right. But let me ask you this. When you when you watched Outbreak when you were younger, mm-hmm. before all of this, did you think of it as totally off the wall sci-fi or did you like, oh, that could have happened? I think it's off the wall sci-fi. I did too. I did too. I, I was like, oh, that's never going to happen. And it's funny because, so again, not I've to get- been 19 years old then. Not to get too political, but Trump was like, who could have imagined this could have happened? And I was like- well, they at least two, two movies, movies. <laughs> at least two movies did because that clearly and granted, it wasn't exactly the scenario, but it was a virus that killed people very quickly and spread. And in fact, Outbreak was crazy to me. And I think about it all the time. And it was funny because I didn't go back and watch Outbreak until you were like, let's do this for this show that I actually watched it. But I remember the scene where the guy coughs in the movie theater and then you watch the droplets go to all the different people in the movie theater and then you watch him walk through the lobby and cough on people in the movie theater and then all of them got sick i was like yeah and it it happened in the airport yes and on the plane yeah i'm like well this is it this clearly is how it happens and it was shocking to me about how that stuck in my mind without having gone through anything like this. It was like, oh, well, that's where it is. And now I'm like, why is this not what we show to every school child out there to avoid the Lake of the Ozarks <laughs> scenario? So I want to ask you, um, yeah. do you, what are your thoughts on people wearing masks? So the best meme that I have seen is the one that's like, if you and I are standing next to each other and you pee on me, I get wet. If I'm wearing a mask, if I'm wearing a mask and you pee on me, I get less wet. If you pee on me, but you're wearing pants and I'm wearing pants, I'm not going to get wet at all. So I feel like I'm just going to wear a mask. It, it, it's literally so little of an inconvenience to me. Why wouldn't I? No, I, But I totally see the people who are like, this is my right to go out without a mask on. But I'm like, well, do you also get pissed about no shirt, no shoes, no service? You know what I mean? No, I understand. Um, You know, I mean, I've worn masks while I've been working. Yeah. 
um, doing and just even out and about. But, um, you know, like my daughter's getting ready to play softball or start the softball season. It's back up. And someone suggested that we buy masks, special masks with our team name on it and everything for the girls to wear while they're playing. Yeah. And my daughter, who's 12, almost 13, was like, Dad, you can buy me the mask, but I'm not wearing it because we're playing outside in the middle of July, August. I'm not wearing a mask over my face. Yeah. I already have a face mask on anyway. Yeah. And it's hot. I'm not going to be having a heat stroke. And she, I was like, okay, that's valid. She goes, you can buy it, but I'm not wearing it. And I was like, no, I can respect that. So what I could see in that scenario. So we won't have any. Her and I won't. What I can see in that scenario is when she's actively playing, is she ever six feet close to someone? Not Are they Not typically. Right. Now, could I see if she's sitting in the dugout, sitting like two feet away from someone? Her going ahead, taking off her helmet, taking off her face shield, and putting on her mask? Yeah, I could see that. Now, in all fairness, some people have talked about going back to Disneyland and having to wear a mask, and they're like, oh, people will die of heat stroke. Listen, I have a cousin who is a nurse, and she said if a mask is not making you hot and miserable, it's not doing its job. I 1000% believe that I fucking hate wearing my mask. It's goddamn miserable. I hate every minute of it. Even just going into a store. I hate it. Um, so for me, I totally get that. I get that being out in July, August, but if, if she's outside and keeping a social distance, I think she's fine. Right. Don't you think? No, I, I do. But I think if she is real close to people and not wearing any other protective gear, it, it doesn't hurt wearing a mask. But I also feel like, you know, m- maybe we should start looking for antibody tests and checking to see, okay, are we protected that more than we think? I, I don't know. I, I At this point, I have no idea. Yeah, we're just all kind of in an unknown, state of unknown right now. That's right. So I'm curious to see how this goes and if we, everything spikes back up or not, or not, or if yep. what different levels they'll have. Because I know, you know, restaurants are reopening, but they're... 10 to 25, maybe 30% capacity, seated far apart. Yep. And Mark and I have chosen not to go to a restaurant. You guys did. Um, And you guys said that you had a pretty good scenario where you got to sit pretty far apart, right? Yeah. And that's great. So they had tables in the middle, and then the outer walls had booths. Yep. And the booths, I think there was seated, empty, empty, seated. Oh, good. All the way around the exterior. And then on, on the inside, uh, the interior tables were about the same. I mean, everything was spread. It was more than six feet. That's good. I mean, because my thought was, how are the servers even making any money? Agreed. With having two or three tables. Yep. So. And, and so that's the other thing. I think when Mark and I do decide to go back, it'll be... Get in, get out. You know, go ahead, get your food. Totally understand you want to eat your food and enjoy it. But don't sit for 30 minutes and chit-chat. Don't, you know, you know, hey, I need a couple minutes and talk and blah, blah, blah. Try try and get through in and out as quickly as possible. Yeah, and the server had on gloves. Server had on a mask. mask. Yeah. Um, if you were waiting for a table, they asked you to not stand outside but go back to your vehicle. And they text you or something? 
Yeah, or to check back. Or they were like, it'd be about a 10, 15 minute, you know, is what they were telling people. That's nice. You know, that's the one thing is that I feel like this has really, you know, honestly, of all the time frames to have to live through something like this, having text abilities and online abilities and can we check to see what the weight is abilities and, you know, those have really forced a lot of uh, restaurants to come into new technology and to really embrace those technologies to make sure that they can give customers the best. I mean, I, I've even seen where like they, they're encouraging you to have online menus where you scan a QR code and get your menu online or whatever. Well, and I, speaking of menu, they handed us paper copies of their menu. Right. And then, and I didn't. They get thrown re- away. I didn't know what was going on. And I asked him if he wanted it back. And he was like, no, those are yours. Yep. That's he what I've heard you is. Can take them with you or you leave them and they go in the trash. Yep. Which I, I think that's amazing that, you know, we've been able to adapt. But I have to say, so, you know, Outbreak, the one city got real crazy because, of course, they were quarantined. They were being kept inside their city. Um, and then contagion, people were kept inside their states. People weren't allowed to leave their states. People, all of the essential businesses were shut down. So there was looting and rioting and all sorts of things, um, which is devastating, obviously. And watching how, you know, as much as I may disagree or not disagree with our leadership on how they've handled a lot of things. And of course, there are things that I've been disappointed in and things that I've thought have gone great. I've had to say that, first of all, as a community... I think we've done a great job at at least trying to help each other. I went to Price Chopper today and at least half, if not more, of people had their masks on, which I think is awesome. I have loved our mayor has done a great job at trying to not only protect people, but also to work with businesses. You know, it came out that he was like, oh, only 10% of businesses can be um, occupied and then when restauranters came on and said, no, we can't handle that. That's not going to be profitable for us. Then that changed. I thought that was great. Good job. You know, actually looking at what benefits people and making those changes. So I actually have a lot of, uh, faith in humanity that has been restored, uh, shockingly, not including the pool party in Branson, to be honest, the Ozarks, not Branson. That's true. The Ozarks. I don't think it was anywhere near Branson, but it could have been. <laughs> That's true. The Ozarks is a big, region it is um so you know i i feel like it hasn't been totally a bad story no i I don't either i think uh people i can't hear you i think people have learned to they've actually had to learn to explore themselves more find things you know they've had to step outside their comfort zone, do some different things. Some people have thought, Oh, I can't stay at home all the time. And they are. Yep. Um, other people have learned, Oh, I think I might like people a little more. Yeah. Um, and the humanity side, you definitely see it. I think you, um, we are a country. I think that we're still Americans. Yep. And if, and I think we're actually in a spot of the country where, a lot of us really care about each other. I agree. It's the Midwest. I mean, honestly, if you're a human, we care about each other and we're going to help each other out. I agree. Yep. So I think that's just kind of type of the community Kansas city is. I agree. Kansas city is a very heartfelt, close knit community that is good at that kind of thing. I agree with you a hundred percent. And, you know, I think people don't get too upset with, 
you know, of course there are always going to be people that feel things aren't done correctly. Uh, but you know, even my husband, who's a total introvert and would rather just, you know, he hates being forced to be at home. He's a control, you know, like all of that. He still is like, I know it's right. I know what I got to do. I'm just going to deal with it. It's fine. And honestly, we've, you know, figured out how to deal with the day to day. So yeah. One of his favorite things to say is suck it up, buttercup. That's right. <laughs> and, you know, he's had to suck it up, too. Yep. I, I totally agree with that. So one more question. So bioweapons is a conversation that comes out of Outbreak. Do you think that any bioweapon is worth dealing with the shit that we're having to deal with now? So bioweapons has always been... Something that's always in the back of my mind. Possibility. Yep. Because, and I just think. Well, and on both sides of the party line. I mean, we've seen it on, you know, everyone's aware of bioweapons, whether or, or, or actively thinks about it. So you're right. And, and if you go through this pandemic and it's not something that's crossed your mind, I don't know. You're not being realistic. I or, feel or like. at least thinking about the possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's scary. Um, I think it's something that everybody, countries and people are going to be looking into. I think they're going to be exploring the possibility of using it. I mean, look at what it can do. Yep. I agree. And if it could spread, if, and if it's airborne and it's just spread so easily, I think anything's possible with it. It's actually kind of scary. It That's is. the scariest part about it is the possibility the possibility and not this even hasn't so been, much right this hasn't been as terrifying i don't think yeah. because we are not in a hotbed if we were in new york california seattle that might be different but where we are we're not in a hotbed so it hasn't been quite as terrifying it's as it has what, been for the two percent something like that it's between two low. and four yeah but knowing what could come from it is and i don't know if it's just a matter of if i think it's a matter of when do you i really do Okay. All right. Let's end on a good note. Okay. What is the best thing that has come out of the quarantine for you? I think the best thing I've always been somebody to really care about family and friends. Those relationships mean a lot to me. Yeah. I think for me personally, it has even reinforced my belief of how important those relationships are just personal relationships with people. Yeah. I think for me, I have realized the delicacy of people, human life, human life. Exactly. Knowing like how, you know, you read these stories about people who have gone through this and some have died and some have, you know, lived through it, but they now have problems breathing. They now have problems with their heart. They now have problems with their kidney, their livers, whatever. Um, it really has been shocking to see, okay, this is how delicate we are. And so we really need to be mindful of it. The other part to that though, is just like you were saying earlier, I have seen people who have, you know, done yoga classes in parking lots. I've seen people who have spent their free time taking gorgeous pictures of the city. We've heard about, you know, the um, nature taking back areas that they haven't in the ozone layer, you know, regenerating. Those are all things that are amazingly, you know, awesome to me that I'm really, 
I'm just in awe of how quickly we as a community and the world as a whole is resilient with dealing with something like this. So have you seen, I believe it was San Bernardino, the picture of the squirrels, how they have taken over some of the parks where they've been closed. The squirrels are literally sunbathing. (laughs) They're just, there's hundreds of them just laying out in the grass. That's awesome. It's like, they're just lounging. Like we got this fucker. Uh, you humans just stay out. This is our park now. That's awesome. Well, this bitch is going to go sunbathe. There you go. <laughs> I'm going to go lay out in the backyard. With the squirrels. With the squirrels in my underwear because apparently I don't mind. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. All right. Well, thank you for joining. I really appreciate it. Thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you are currently stuck in quarantine and you need someone to talk to, you know who I am. Send me a message. I am on Facebook. Uh, We have the My Poor Friends Facebook page. You can send us a message. Either me or Dickie will respond to you. We love you all. Oh, (laughs) yeah. So hope you all are doing well, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.